Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. As we sat on the front porch of that old gray house where... All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast where we rock out to some Travis Tritt. I'm your host, Spencer, joined, as always, by Michael. Hello, everybody. So, Michael, why are we listening to some Travis Tritt right now? We're listening to Travis Tritt because Big 12 Coach of the Year, Chris Beard, is a fan of Travis Tritt. Which means we're fans of Travis Tritt. Dang right. And if it's good enough for Chris Beard and an Elite Eight team and the Big 12 Championship team, it's good enough for our wonderful podcast it's good enough for me good enough for you good enough for everybody we will we'll have to say goodbye to travis for for a little bit momentarily momentarily we've got some podcasting to do first we'll get back to him in a little bit okay first though before we get into sports you know how we do it's a food podcast first and foremost i inadvertently posed a question and dropped the mic and walked away. You did. I didn't I, realize that you had kind of unplugged yourself from this situation that you created. I did. So I um, retweeted somebody and just said thoughts, question mark, and then left. And then I've got the 20 plus notification on the phone from Twitter because I did not check on uh, everything that was coming out. So, we're going to roll back a little bit. We're going to talk about um, ordering appetizers instead of entrees. Yeah. Rookie move or pro move? I got to I got to find it. We report, you decide. Okay. So this came from Stephen Brooker, the real S, the real S Brooker. He says, "I don't care what restaurant you're at, ordering the appetizer platter as your entree is a smart move." at me yeah he he invited he, he invited it like i said i retweet and just said thoughts so first one to roll in just said i do it austin rushing well hold on let's okay first steven brooker followed me back oh that's cool he did. i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna F- follow follow him back i'm already following so he's a tech fan um his, his intro says, sport, tech, Dallas, food, Texas, politic, in some particular order. It's my kind of man. Yeah. So, um, Matt Tun says that he agrees with it. Uh, Dinger Derby. Keith weighed in, said that used to be my go-to move when Ruby Tequila's opened, which begs the question, is this a place, is this something you do at certain restaurants? Or is it something that you may default to? You're like... Man, I'm just feeling like the appetizer platter. 
Yeah, every now like and combo. then. Combo. I mean, yeah. like cheese sticks and chicken wings, and I just want something fried in a basket with some sort of ranch sauce or maybe a Southwest egg roll. Those, uh, I can't remember the exact. I think they were called Southwest Dippers at Buffalo Wild Wings a few years ago. They were like corn and black bean. They're, I don't know how they did it. It was battered and fried, and they had this, that Southwest ranch dipping sauce, whatever they had. Mm. Oh, it was so good. Kyle says, I haven't ordered anything other than the app platter at Caprock Cafe for as long as I can remember, which makes me want to go to Caprock, of course. How do I not know that there's an app platter? Because anytime I go, I don't even look at advertisers. I just said, I just want the queso. Although I think we've ordered lunch in before from Caprock and gotten like several other appetizers, like the Texas straws or Texas fries, whatever they call them. Like the fried jalapeno strips. Right. Those are pretty good. Yeah, or the bottle caps, I think, are the fried jalapenos. The down and dirty chicken wings are on the appetizer list, which is a killer one. One of my favorites, though, I think, I forget what they call them, but it's basically nachos, but with their homemade potato chips. Yes, Samantha got They might be Irish nachos. No, I I can't remember, but when we went last time to Caprock and Samantha was with, with me, she ordered those. Those nachos. It was like um, yes. those homemade potato chips, but like covered as if they were nachos. Yep. Um, Eric Ariz Mendez just says solid move. Brian Don Carlos cosine. It's a power move for sure. I like that. Let's see. So somebody replied to him. You just know what you want. You you order what off of whatever damn menu you want. You appetizer menu fine, salad menu fine, dessert menu maybe I'm just gonna get. Some chips and queso and a piece of cheesecake. <laughs> That's just all I need. Samantha, unless it's like Rosa's or it's not really like a, a sit down restaurant type of place, but Rosa's or Red Lobster, she's ordering an appetizer, mm. but not, not the platter usually. But yeah. Like if we go to B- Buffalo Wild Wings, she'll get the, the platter, the tailgate sampler or whatever. Um, Breakfast Burrito Briggsy replied to Brian, which is a lot of bees. Is that his handle? Well, no, it's it's at Old School Sig, but no, he, I, his name. I didn't, I didn't realize he changed his name. Breakfast Burrito Briggsy says, the toppest lifestyle is to be held in high esteem. Agree. Completely agree with that. Rob Bro Show, he, he tweeted a gif. Um, it's a some dude dancing, but it says, me, when I see that trio platter coming out, yeah, I think I know what he's talking about. Is it Chili's that does the trio platter? I well, I think there's a lot of places that do now, actually, mm-hmm. where you get three different. You can kind of pick your three. I think Applebee's does it, too. You can pick three appetizers, and you'll get a few of each. Yeah. I, I, I Great like, choice. I like having the, the, the choice of the three. Because if they, if they preset the three, you know they're going to give you one of them that's just trash. Like, nobody else orders it. Yeah. And you're like, man, it's only on this because nobody else orders it. It's going to be, you know, raw oysters 500 miles inland. <laughs> they're, they're doing it to, to even out their, their profit margin. Mm-hmm. On these. Hillary Huffman, so she replied back to, to Keith and said, Ruby's with a crying face and broken heart. I guess she yeah. was a fan before they closed. Yep, yeah, it's too bad. Um, Matt Turney, if the appetizers are better than the entrees, probably time to find a new restaurant. That's uh, that's not really fair because fried cheese sticks 
are always better than salmon. Truth. I mean, you're just going to have... <laughs> the, the appetizers are just going to be better. It's it's like, well, if it's comparing fair food to regular food. You get the fair food as an appetizer. Everything's deep fried, smothered in cheese. Yes, sir. And then your entrees are, could be a... It could be a really healthy thing or it could be something else that's not necessarily going to beat out any form of, you know, fried pickles. Your response, I thought, was pretty good, too. Sort of related. Not- there are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Shows are always an entree option. Their placement in the appetizer section is misleading. I don't disagree. Um, A lot of the times when Samantha does order an appetizer, it's a plate of nachos. Yeah. As, as I mentioned with uh, when we go to Caprock, she gets nachos there. She gets them, um, oh, pretty much, I don't know. If, if she can't decide on like on what kind of burrito she wants, then she's like, just give me nachos. Yeah. So. That's a great, that's a, that's a, a great strategy. I, I do think the nachos are limited because there's, they, they kind of throw in that little thing at the end where, well, you can add meat for two ninety nine or one ninety nine or whatever it is and then you can talk yourself into it being an entree, but it should just be, just duplicate it. Just duplicate it in both sections. Do you want nachos as an appetizer? Or do you want nachos as an entree? It doesn't matter to us. We celebrate both. So I, I'm getting ready. I, I, I say getting ready. I'm going to Phoenix in April on a work conference or to a conference for work. And I was checking out. Why a did rest- you put work in air quotes? Cause I may or may not be attending this conference. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I was looking for, for places near, near the hotel. Cause I'm, I don't think I'm going to rent a car. I'm either going to Uber or walk cause it's, it's downtown. There's a restaurant, not it's a couple blocks off from the hotel called the arrogant butcher caught my name imme- or caught my attention immediately. Look in their menu. Um, and I noticed they had, I don't think it was on the advertisement. I think it was in their entree menu. Smoked carnitas nachos. As an entree? Like, I know I'm not the only one that does this. This is the place. Yeah. I've, I've done that several times. Back 40 Grill in town makes some of my favorite nachos because they kind of go old school with them where you get maybe eight. Like the big ones? Yeah. Like giant? Like eight half, half tostadas, basically. And they individually decorate them with, you know... And decorate them. <laughs> Whatever they have, they individually put uh, all the nacho stuff you want on it, including they do fresh jalapenos, which is kind of nice. That's a different deal. 
and then you get sour cream and salsa and I believe guacamole on the side. So you can kind of dress it as you so choose. Man, that is one of my favorite things. I've, I've ordered those nachos quite a bit as an entree. So what started this whole thing with the pulled pork nachos for me was, um, I think it was fuzzies one night with a friend of mine. He introduced me to the, the white queso pulled pork nachos. Yeah, that's not too bad. It's pretty good. And then I also found out that they served, this is probably six years ago, they served those in the suites at Danlaw Field. So I had to get some of those. Not as good as fuzzies, but. Hey, I do have a nacho update of sorts. Yes, I saw that. I'm excited to hear it. Uh, hear this. The last week on the 81st episode of the 23 Personal Podcast, we discussed all of the wonderful and sometimes grotesque Houston rodeo foods that they have this year. And one of them was Paradise Fries, which I couldn't figure out exactly what they were just from the photos, and I I couldn't find a description. Well, Brian Don Carlos, bold, brave, and uh, just a, a a man of sorts, made his way down to the establishment that serves these fries just to find out what the heck's all on them. He did research for the podcast. He did. He, he went out of his way props, man over there in Houston and turns out it's basically kind of, it's, it's kind of nachos, but instead of chips, it's chicken nuggets. But I think the chicken nuggets were just on the outside, but then it's pulled pork and cheese and jalapenos and all that kind of stuff on the top. It's just a, it looked like a very interesting thing that I would I would be willing to eat. If that's not like the fastest way, one of the fastest ways to destroy your heart is to swap out the chips and nachos with some kind of fried food. Yeah, I mean that's the KFC method. Yeah, that's, that's I'm I'm all for that. Probably if I ate like that too often, I'd be having heart attacks in a few years. And what's well, a good way to just dine off my forties? Yeah, just I'm make sure. Yet, but yeah, you could end up one on one of those shows where. Uh, the, My the 600 pound life. Yep. <laughs> TLC. That's that's, exa- that's the road to that way. You know, you know what? Quickly. So that's actually base in Houston. Yes. I bet that's like but those patients are just wheeled straight from the Houston rodeo to the hospital. Oh to go man. See that one physician. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. Yep. Um, I feel like I had one more food item to discuss, but we were talking pulled pork nachos before I brought up the paradise fries, the foul pole. Oh yeah, at, at, this, a, at, at the a, ballpark. The ballpark in Arlington released a new food item. It is a two-pound chicken tendy. <laughs> Sorry, never not funny. <laughs> Throwback. Um, over a bed of waffle fries with ranch and honey dipping sauces. Now I wonder. Oh, it. Please, please uh, explain to our listeners how the word "foul" is spelled. Oh, it's F-O-W-L for sure. Beautiful. Because it's a bird. That's great. It's a yard bird. I I support the naming. I I wonder if if it's actual raw waffles at the bottom. Because I think that would As make it better. To, oh, like like waffles instead of fries? That's, what, like they, that's what they should have done. Chicken and waffles? Yeah. They should have put it on a bed of waffles because why not? Maybe of like mini waffles, like Eggos or something. Yeah. Basically something like that. Because what are you going to do with a full-size waffle in a stain? Those little, <laughs> well, maybe not Eggos, but I, I know 
I've seen some other little mini waffles that are that are pretty good. They're kind of like a hexagon shape. I'm not sure. Just put it on a bed of that, and then maybe drench it in syrup or honey. <laughs> why? Are, why are we not part of the R and D team that serves? Why don't, the why don't they have? They need a version. They they need like the okay. Here's the regular foul foul pole and the chicken and waffles. And then here's foul the pole. here's the foul pole. ATL style, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the the hot Lana foul pole. <laughs> you know, I I bet if they serve this at a game with the Braves, it would be yeah, chicken and waffles. People would be wondering where's the where's, my where's the waffles? Where's the syrup? Yeah. All right, so we've already kind of talked about Chris Beard. Let's let's just dive right into basketball. Your Texas Tech Red Raiders capped off their regular season with a nine game win streak. They were one and oh this past week. They only had one game to finish 26 and five. I, I said 25 and five last week or this weekend, 26 and five, 14 and four in the big 12. Good enough for first place. Yes. Big 12 champs, baby. Big 12 champs. I'd, I want to go back because it's not often that I'm right and I'm still not right, but I'm, I was close. At one point, I predicted 15 wins, 15 Big 12 wins. And then, and then Tech dropped like three out of the next four games. <laughs> so it was your fault. <laughs> it might have been. I, I might have been directly related to that. But So I was only one game off. So this Herculean effort down the stretch was just to make up for your bad karma, your bad juju. Pretty much. So that's what it took. We, we uh, talked about the game on Saturday. Labar and I did a quick, I don't know, 10, 15 minute post game instant reaction uh, to your 80 to 73 win over Iowa State. I, I didn't hear something interesting. One of the reasons um, why the fans were booing afterwards, because like the celebration that Texas Tech was doing on their court, one, because they were salty. Yeah, they were salty. They lost. But two, they also, they also do like the majority of their senior day recognition after the game. Oh, wow. So, like, they were delayed a little bit because Texas Tech was celebrating. It was, like, it was still salty, but I mean, they weren't delayed all that much. But, one, it doesn't make sense to do that after the game because, like, for this exact reason, right? Like, yeah, you you lost the game, so you already have, like, a, a sour taste in your mouth. And you're like, oh, by the way, thanks, seniors. Yeah, uh, honoring someone before there's a chance that there's going to be a, a very possible low in this, in the entire stadium, you should just, uh, you should do that before that happens. Yeah. It's really strange. Yeah. I didn't know about that. The other thing I thought was really interesting was that quote that came out from Chris Beard when in the week leading up to this game, telling Jared Culver, Hey man, we don't need you to score 30 points. We need you to be a, a distributor. And he's like, man, I was wrong. We needed every one of Culver's 31 points. I mean, you didn't you didn't win by one point, but if Culver didn't score thirty one, I mean, it would have put some pressure on somebody else because I mean, everybody else was was stepping up. We talked about this. Mooney and Moretti had big games too. Moretti scored twenty. Um, well, what was so great about how how well Culver was playing? That's what led to Moretti's wide open three that kind of sealed it towards the end of the game. And then, so Brandon Francis scored six points. Those six points came in like... We needed every one of those. Like his first three was in that um, 
7-0 run or 8-0 run that took it from being tied with three and a half minutes to go uh, to where you were up 72-65 with two minutes to go. So in that minute and a half, you scored eight points. The first three of those were a Brandon Francis three. You needed those. Well, and I, I didn't realize this, how close Tariq Owens was to a double-double with 14 rebounds. Yeah, so he reset he his was, season high. He was all over the boards. He also set the school record for blocks for the season. Because I think he had tied it last week, the game before. I believe he had, he had tied, tied it. it or, or barely broke it. It was really, it was really close. And then he went and had three more blocks this past weekend. So I think he finished at 75 for the year. That that sounds right. I'm not positive. A stupid number of blocks. Now it, it doesn't reach what some Kansas player did a couple of years ago, but Tariq Owens isn't a Kansas player. Wasn't a consensus five star coming out of high school. Um, Unfortunately, you do have to share this title. You didn't finish alone in first place, but in the record books, on the rings, on the banners, it's not going to say co-champions. It's not going to say you were tied, but Kansas State also finished 14-4 and four when they beat OU. Oklahoma, way to go. You let us down. <laughs> but what's great about sharing it with Kansas State instead of Kansas and so I think Kansas doesn't get their 15-year streak. Right. There, there's that. And because uh, I believe it was Fran. I call him Fran. We're, we're close. Franny. And I, I think it was that I think he mentioned it during one of the broadcasts about no one, all, all people refer to is the streak. They just refer to the streak, uh, you know, especially that Ray Stevens song. That's all I can think of. But they, they just refer to the Kansas streak and they don't think about the co-champions, even though I think they had co-champions twice, mm-hmm. no one mentions them. Yeah, because I think Oklahoma State did it a couple years ago. They, yeah, they're kind of left they off. Split it with it, but you, when you think about Big Twelve championships, you're like, well, Kansas won it 14 years in a row. Right. That's well, all you think. There of. were a couple of years where they shared it. Right, and at least this time they'll. You know what year was that 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 Tech and somebody else <laughs> won it, or, or or same thing, bunch of Jayhawks fans. What was that year that? Kansas State won it, and I think somebody else was with them. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Because it wasn't Kansas. <laughs> um, Texas Tech finished at number seven in the AP poll, or is currently seventh. Mm-hmm. That was released th- this morning. Um, this little tidbit was really interesting. The only team in the top 25 that started the season unranked. Was it the top 25 or the top 10? Sorry, top 10. Yeah. Only team in the top 10. Only... S- only team that finished in the top 10 that started the season unranked. Yes. Part of the reason why Chris Beard is coach, coach of the year. Yeah, he's pretty good. With uh, Matt Painter from Purdue. Well, he's... Okay, that's the AP. Right. The uh, Big 12? No, that was, that was NBC Sports co-coach of the year. The Big 12, unanimous... I mean, he was... Mm-hmm. He was unanimous, unanimously selected as the Big 12 Coach of the Year and as the AP Big 12 Coach of the Year. But he does share it with NBC Sports with uh, Matt Painter at Purdue. I guess that's okay. Because if you remember, Texas Tech was picked to finish seventh in the conference. I do remember. I will never forget it. I don't remember much, but that... We all thought that that was a little, was a little low. 
Yeah, yeah. Because it was one Kansas, two was Kansas State. So Kansas State winning the conference or tying for first, not that big of a deal. Then I think it was Iowa State, then TCU, or West Virginia was up there. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it was so wrong. And that was that was that were the only things I was certain about was that West Virginia was way too high and we were way too low. That was really all I knew before the season started. And that was right. West yes. Virginia finished tied for last. Yeah, they did. Pretty rough year for the. I wish they could tie for, for the Nears. Yeah, maybe they could co-share last place. Well, they are co-sharing last place. It's just not tenth place. Oh, I see what you're saying. They're tied for ninth. Yeah, you're right. Just stupid. Um. In this, oh, they're tied for eighth. Is there a three-way tie? Well, that, that is, if there's two at one. Well, no, because because the next team passed us, third, fourth, Kansas would be third. Eighth. Well, no, because it, it's it's Kansas State, Texas Tech are oh. one, and then that next team is third. Okay, I get it. It skips two. There's no second-place team. Even though Texas Tech is the sec- number two seed, only because of the... Big 12 conference record between Texas Tech and Baylor and Kansas State and Baylor. That's the the tiebreaker there. Okay, I wondered what I wondered how that broke out to the number two seed. I wish it was overall record because we, we demolished Kansas State in the overall. I think we had three more wins than they did. But it's um, when you go you you go head to head. So if you had somehow finished 14 and four, but Kansas State had swept you or you had swept them, then that would have been the first tiebreaker and then it goes in order based on your your records against the next team so the next team was kansas we, and we both split with kansas okay next team was baylor kansas state swept baylor and uh, we split that was a bad game it was it was ugly because it was, that was the game in waco where baylor just could not miss nope and you're just like this is not it's not gonna go well they were draining threes all over the place but en route to a Big 12 championship, many, many honors have been bestowed upon this team. Coach, players, we're going to miss some, but let's let's roll through some of these. Culver has been named the AP Big 12 Player of the Year. What? what? Chris Beard was named AP Coach of the Year, which I think you've already mentioned. Um, Culver was named Big 12 Player of the Year. Not from the AP, but maybe from the Big 12 Conference. I'm not sure. Michael put this together and didn't specify. Where, where are you talking about? So No, from the, the Big 12 itself okay, named right. him Big 12 Player of the Year. So he got two Big 12 Player of the Year mm-hmm. uh, honors, one from the AP and one from the actual conference. Yeah, so he finished the season, the Iowa State game. He was 12 of 19 from the field. Uh, four of eight from three, so fifty percent there. Three of three from free, free throws. Finished with thirty-one points and thirty-seven minutes. So he didn't get a lot of rest, but finished with thirty-one points. Chris Beard from the Big Twelve named Coach of the Year this year. He did not split it like he did last year. Yeah, buddy. Um, which adds to his multiple bonuses he's cashing in on this season. Uh, which I think was up to some something close to like three hundred thousand dollars this year in bonuses. It was two seventy five last I saw, and I don't know if that's gone up since uh, Sunday. Well, and he's still got time to add to it. He sure does, yeah. With the Big Twelve Conference tournament, yep, and the NCAA tournament, 
Um, here's something we just mentioned. NBC Sports named Culver to the to the first team All-American team, and then Chris Beard um, shares a coaching award, the, the coach of the year with Matt Painter from Purdue. So... Can we just go over Culver's stats really quickly in the Iowa State game? I just did. Oh, you did? Do you want to go over them again? No. Okay. We're good. The other things that we didn't we haven't mentioned yet were Matt Mooney was second team all Big Twelve. Davide Moretti was third team. Um Matt Mooney and Tariq Owens were on the all defensive team. And I think Tariq Owens was honorable mention. I believe they have an honorable mention category his name kept they they would name after four, three teams yes a fourth. they would name four players uh during all of the double t sports breaks i heard and owens was always mentioned i think it was because of honorable mention he deserved it agreed huge uh piece of this team um so big 12 conference is coming up start the play starts wednesday night uh, with the first round, Texas Tech as the number two seat has a first round bye, which is pretty awesome. It's a nice feeling. Um, we will play the winner of Oklahoma or West Virginia, which I like. I like my chances. Yeah, against either one of those teams. I know. I'm I'm kind of um, hoping West Virginia wins. That'll be Thursday night at eight. Um. You'll have to go back and check Kyle Jacobson's Twitter account, but he's. I, I can't remember the source, but he quoted um, that Texas Tech has the highest win percentage chance, however you want to phrase that, of winning the Big 12 Conference tournament. And it was by a wide margin. It was like 46%. I think Kansas State was next in, like in the 20s or maybe low 30s. Mm. It, it was a pretty widespread there. Um the question came up this weekend whether or not Chris Beard would take the same kind of mentality that Tim Tadlock does for the Big 12 tournament. Um, and we heard earlier this week that if there's hardware to be won, Chris Beard's going for it. If there's a trophy on the line, he's going. So, Well, it's not like last year where you you weren't 100% and you had guys that you you might could have played Zach Smith, but mm-hmm. you, you were saving. You were obviously saving him for the tournament. And you knew that Keenan Evans toe was an issue and then it was really just a an issue of him being able to tolerate pain yeah um but this year like we mentioned on saturday you're healthy you're playing your best basketball of the season the best time to be doing it too yep um and you still have some some things on the line you can win the conference tournament um and not let some other third team claim a big 12 championship. You don't want Kansas to somehow win this tournament. Right. Not that they would, I, I don't think that would still count for their, their streak. Oh, I, th- this shouldn't, I don't as, think as there's a, any way a tournament champion, but you also don't want to go to a third team and just dilute it that much more. There is still a slight possibility. You could work yourself into a two seed for the, the NCAA tournament. Um, Losing early though is not gonna is not gonna cost you a three seed. I think you're pretty solid in the three seed. You've got some space to make up between. I think the next two above you as three seeds you'd have to pass to get to a two are Michigan and LSU. 
the good thing about um, LSU is they're is the bad thing about LSU, <laughs> right? They're they're on some pretty thin ice with some current investigations. Their coach is not currently coaching with them. Um, there may not be a whole lot of mo- motivation, or maybe there is a whole lot. I I don't know the to pretend to know the pulse of that team, but there's that. Michigan's been kind of wavering a little bit late, so you've got an opportunity to move up. But just like um, five or six games ago in the Big 12 conference race, it wasn't all up to you. Like you're not guaranteed a two seat if you win the conference tournament. You still have other you got other teams that you need to worry about. the The biggest thing with that, if you were to get to a two seed, is it would put you on the opposite side of the bracket once you make the NCAA tournament from the number one seed, whoever that is that you're you're going to. Um. So you'd be the highest seed on your side of the bracket, meaning you would be. Every team you play would, you would be favored. Theoretically, yeah. You would, yeah, and, you would technically be favorited in every game. Until you got to the, f- the, the regional final, if your number one seed made it all the way through. Which this is kind of, back to the Big 12 tourney really quickly, this is kind of what I'm hoping will happen is that, we get a Kansas State, Texas Tech, one versus two, winner take all. I'd love it. I think that would be kind of, that would effectively break the tie. I'm, I know it wouldn't officially break it, but if you get Kansas and Kansas, or, or Kansas State and Tech playing each other for the Big 12 tournament trophy, the winner of that, by all, uh, I think by all accounts, I think everyone would agree. At a neutral site, all that stuff. Whoever Although wins it's that, not really neutral for the Kansas. Schools. You're right, Kansas City. That's pretty pretty close to yeah. Manhattan. A lot, like, cl- a lot like closer than Dallas. Yeah, it's a lot closer than Lubbock to Kansas City. But I'm hoping that's what happens. I'm I'm hoping that we get to see a rematch and we get to see who takes best two out of three this year. I would not be opposed to that just, just to say, hey, you know, we, we got the last shot at it doing it. Also wouldn't be opposed if like Oklahoma State went on some kind of run and just ran out of gas. That wouldn't be bad either. <laughs> they, we, we cruise they, to a, a they make it to the weekend and you're just like, nah, bro, I got this. Cruise to a twenty three point Big Twelve championship. Twenty three points. Twenty three personnel. Um so yeah, the the conference tournament starts here tomorrow. Texas Tech again plays on Thursday. Um, other news that came out this week with the with the basketball program is Chris Beard is capitalizing on his um, his success on the court to um, build his teams for the future. Uh, he had four star Terrence. Shannon commit. Um, he is another top 100 player. He's up there. Um, he's not like a Jemias Ramsey, but he's up there with like the Kevin McCuller, that type of, of a prospect where a couple of years ago you would, you would have killed to get one of them. And now you've got three. Yes. So it's the best recruiting class in the big 12. Or the highest rated recruiting class in the Big 12? I thought it was second right behind Texas. 
Like I, re- I read it just was just behind because they have like a five star guy. Okay, well, I I read it was number one, but um, speaking of five star though, Jemias Ramsey is close enough to that that five star area that he could get bumped. Right, and Shannon's a a four star. Right, and that's it's just unheard of to have this kind of this kind of clout around our program. I I wanted to bring up just a a little bit of a personal anecdote. The the first game and the that I went to the first basketball game that I went to that I had to pay for. So this was after school. I didn't really have a desire to go to the games during the Pat Knight years. I graduated in 07. And so those were mainly Pat Knight years and I just didn't really go and what finally got me to go back to a game of all things was when Tech hired Cliff Kingsbury. And so I bought tickets to go to the Alabama game in 2012, which, of course, Tech lost. And they were being coached by Walker after the whole Billy Clyde Gillespie fiasco where he had to go to the hospital and all that kind of stuff where he resigned. But I went to that game, and... You know, Billy Clyde had just taken him to a whopping eight-win season the year before. Woot. And Chris Walker's team, which I really liked Walker. I thought he was a really good guy and a, and a, a pretty decent coach, but just was kind of thrust into this probably a little before he was ready. Uh, he took the Red Raiders to an 11-20 and 20 record. So I just kind of wanted to reflect on the fact that seven years ago, which, all right, seven years is – well, actually just six. Six years ago, is it's a decent amount of time. But six years ago, we were winning 11 games in a season. And this year, we lost five. Mm-hmm. 26 and five this year. And the, the, the 11 wins included the Big 12 tournament. So Tech finished. Because I think you won the first game. Right. They were actually 10 and 19 at the end of the regular season that year. So from when I first started actively going to game, you know, buying tickets and going, we have done nothing but improve basically. So are you claiming this? No, I'm not claiming credit. No, I, I, (laughs) that's not what I meant at all. It's just, it's, it's just, you should, (laughs) my tickets were $3 too. I looked it up. (laughs) Uh, but I I mainly went just so they would introduce Cliff Kingsbury at halftime. And I thought, well, this was kind of fun. Maybe we should go to some basketball games here and there because tickets are cheap and you can just kind of sit wherever you want. And then, so we'd go to two or three a year since then, and uh, it, they've just skyrocketed and gotten so much better, and it's such a more desirable thing to do. And ticket prices are higher, as they should be, because it's a it's a worthwhile place to spend your money. But I just was thinking about that today, about you know, seeing that Chris Walker team, seeing a you know kind of a younger Gocher, um, getting to see Jay Crockett, who was always great. He was a redshirt junior that year. Just see that team just kind of struggle. I remember going to, to games a year or two after that, watching them try to break the press against West Virginia, and it was just cringeworthy. These guys couldn't get the ball past half court a lot of times, and you just really felt for them, and you just were just nervous every single time. And then to see where that, that team just six years ago is now is is phenomenal 
and Chris Beard, uh, he deserves a lot of credit. And I know we've mentioned it a few times before, but it's kind of getting past the point of mentioning it because most his guys are gone. But W. Smith deserves quite a bit of credit too because he started he started with some great recruits and had some really solid guys that that helped Beard win uh, and just helped Tech win in general. So he, he, he deserves some credit to get this thing turned around for sure, but Beard just – he's on another plane. Yeah, so just really quickly, I you were telling a story about basketball. I wanted to tell a story about buying a cheap ticket to not good years. Yeah. This was not – it was, was 2014, and I, I probably spent $5 a ticket. I, I, I bought two, me and then one for my brother-in-law. We were at the game where Marcus Smart pushed the fan. Oh man, it was 2014. I had to go that back was, and look. Was that Tubby Smith's first year? It was Tubby Smith's first year. I'm looking at the stats now. They went 13 and 19 that year. Okay, we were feeling pretty good. I, I was feeling pretty it's good. Like about we're going that the right year. direction, and we actually won that game against Oklahoma State that night. Yeah, because Oklahoma State was uh, they're pretty good. They were ranked pretty highly. Mm-hmm. So guys on this team in 2014: Keenan Evans, Justin Gray, Justin Jamison, Isaiah Manderson. Narence Odiase, Zach Smith, Devontae Williams, Randy Onwasar, uh, Luke Adams, yep. Robert Turner, Aaron Ross, Todrick Gocher, Clark Lammert, Alex Foster. There's a lot of big names on that team that eventually helped get this team where it is today. Yes. That was a... There was just it was just something different when once Smith got hired. Aside from his frustrating offense that he ran, but you know what it was <laughs> quote though? unquote it was, offense. It was tailored to what what Texas Tech had, it, it, right? It, it helped it helped even the playing field because we were so bad off roster wise that it kept Tech in games they had no business being in, which helped them win more games than they probably would have otherwise. And he could recruit too, or his staff could. He st- yeah, he was starting to build the team. Um, but yeah, they'd come across half court and just throw the ball around for this. I think this is back when we saw the 35 second shot clock yeah. for 30 seconds of it, it was, and then try to find a shot with five seconds left. And then when you don't but have you any did, shooters, but you did that every possession and it was like, we were scoring 50 points a game. It was nerve wracking <laughs> basketball between that and then not being able to break presses. Yeah. Just guys just that had trouble handling the ball. It, it was, it was a tough hang. Great seats, though. Great seats and great tickets. Great prices, but uh, yeah, yeah n- no more. <laughs> Not so, anymore. Really quick, one more thing before we move on. Um, with the commitment of Terrence Shannon, Texas Tech jumped up into the second highest recruiting class in the Big 12. They went from... So they are behind Texas, like you were saying. They were fifth, moved up to second. Hmm. Um Oklahoma's third, Oklahoma State's fourth, TCU. They jumped all of, all three of those teams. TCU was was fifth now. Um, That's great. So none of the so the the team that just want to share the Big Twelve is sixth. Yeah, but but us we're second. Oh yeah, sorry. I, I, I was talking about the other team. Yeah, no. I mean, I think that's that's really something to the the teams that were kind of in the middle of the road or a little bit further behind. They had some really good recruiting classes, but you're not going to see immediate success based off of that. It's it's just kind of the kind of the rich getting richer right now, which we're for once <laughs> on the on the rich side. And if 
Texas fires Shaka Smart, there may be some upheaval on their roster. So even though they have the best recruiting class, it seems like like to me, Shaka Smart recruits size first. And of course, the biggest guys are going to have some of the, the highest ratings because they, their roster is like six nine and above. Yeah. Like everybody. Lots and at lots of tall dudes. Um, but you're number two. Your class this year, you have two enrollee, you have two two guys from this class already on campus, Kevin McCullough and Andre Savrasov. Then you've got three guys that are have already signed that will join this summer. Jemias Ramsey, who is, like I said, very nearly a five star for um the twenty four seven rating system. Five stars are at point nine nine. Jemias Ramsey is a point nine eight eight. Oh my gosh! So he's two, round up people. two thousands of a point. Well, and he just helped his team win state over the weekend, I believe. He did, which is another reason why he may be able, to, he may be moving up because of the exposure there. Yep. And not that people don't know who who he is. He's like the thirty fourth best player in the in the nation. So like you know who he is. Um, other interesting point about that, he has a another highly rated guy on his team for next season, Micah Peavy, who Texas Tech is in a really good position to land as well. He may be a five-star when all that's said and done. Ramsey may be. Might be be starting the Ramsey pipeline. Yeah, to Duncanville. Um, Khalid Thomas is the lone um, Juco player currently. Um, He's a power forward from College of Southern Idaho. He's a he's a scorer. He shoots really high percentage from three. Um, and then you've got Russ, Russell Chewa from Putnam Science Academy. This is the same school that you got Mbala, Mbala from. He is seven feet tall, 215 pounds. So he, he's your big guy in the class. And then your latest one is a commit from Terrence Shannon, a 6'6 forward. Coming in four stars at point nine six seven, so you've got some quality coming to this team. You got guys that are already on the team. Um, obviously, it's going to be hard to replace guys like Jared Culver, um, Matt Mooney, Tariq Owens, Owens, Brandon Francis, Odiase, and Nurens Odiase. But you've got these guys. You've got um, what's his name? That's on. That's redshirting this year. Who's who Kavon was? Moore? Yeah, who, he was your highest rated. Recruit. Is he still? Do we still have Kavon Moore? That's still kind of a. The last thing I heard is he was still with the team. Okay, he was. Air quotes. He had accepted his red shirt. Okay. Okay. One last thing on basketball. For, we've gone forty-five minutes so far, but it's basketball. Like we just won a Big Twelve. Well, Tech just won so. the Big Twelve. Cha- a school. That's okay with that. I'm a school okay. not from Lawrence won the Big Twelve championship for the first time since. Bush was president, so it's it's been a while. It was we, a long time ago. We, we get to talk about it for a little bit. So about this time last year, Chris Beard signed a six-year, $19 million contract extension. With, Is that enough? With all the rumors swirling and with how well he bounced back this year after losing, what was it, his top seven or top eight scores from the Elite Eight team to come back and win the conference. Is it time to re-up again? I, I, I think we're getting there. 
I think we're getting there, especially like, just, just just do it. Especially with the rumors of, of smart being pushed out or because here's the thing, anything like that. If Texas wants beard one, they have to, they have to fire smart. And I heard that they're arrogant enough that they think they can help him get another job. So they don't have to fire him. But dude, Shaka Smart's not going to turn down $15 million so he can like, so he can leave a team and not be fired. Right. I'm, I'm sorry. Like it's not going to bankrupt the university of Texas system. Well, and I'm, I'm not prideful enough to turn down $15 million. So I, so I can say I wasn't fired. Like, no, you, you go ahead and fire me, write me that fat check. Yeah. And then I'll go play, I'll go coach somewhere else. But like, I think we said this last week. If Texas were to come after Beard, one, they have to fire Smart, which is $15 million or 14, whatever it is. They have to pay Tech for Beard's buyout, which the balance, it's like 40% of the balance of his remaining contract, I think comes out to like 6 million. I think it was around six. Yeah, they so would be out almost 20 mil before even giving him his contract. Yep. Currently, According to my search, Beard is making just over $3 million a year. So you would think he'd be making at least that at Texas. You'd think there'd probably a significant pay raise that Texas Tech couldn't match. Um, but if Texas Tech were going to lock him down, in the, in the hierarchy of the Big 12, Bill Self is the highest paid at four point nine five million. Is it out of the realm of possibility for Chris Beard to be the highest paid coach in the Big Twelve come April twenty nineteen? I don't know where that money's going to come from, but well, here's the thing: that wouldn't be a bad uh, a bad place to to start. It's it's a strange position to be in that you're in Texas where football is king and your basketball coach is already making more than your head football coach. Right. Well, and I see this too. I, I'm seeing a different site. Uh, it's reporting that Bill Self total pay is right at $4.1 million. So 4.1 versus 4.9, that's not quite as bad. May... That may include all the bonuses. All or, the possible bonuses. And that may be the same thing with, with Beard 3.167. Because I heard somewhere he's more in the range. Like he's in the 2.8. He's at 2.8. You're exactly right. So his 3.167 I think is his max yearly. Or it's just the uh, it's the average of his contract over six years and not how it's stair-stepped. But to go from 2.8 to 4.1, not that big of a jump, I don't think. If if he's not the highest paid, like he 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 should be number two, right? Right, because there's, there's a big gap between Bill Self and number two Bob Huggins. Huggins again, this I think was including all of his possible bonuses. Tops out at three point seven six million. Yeah, I think at at the least, you should get that number closer to three point nine. Get get very close to four to surpass Mr. Huggins. Lon Kruger and Shaka Smart, both there at 3.1, and Scott Drew at 2.86. So he's in the kind of the realm of, of Scott Drew right now. 
Um, How did you find the Scott Drew number? It was on the dark web. No, it was like the top 27 highest paid coaches or something. And he was like towards the bottom of that list. Well, I just knew with it being a private school, they don't have to, they don't got to tell you anything. Yeah. I just didn't know where that information was disclosed. Anyways, um, I am all for locking down Beard. It may not stop Texas from trying to go after him, but if you if if you push his salary into the four million dollar range and you you make Texas outbid you for that and pay whatever buyout that you have, which is going to go up, if you get Chris Beard to sign a new contract, like you may be able to negotiate, like okay, a Big Twelve foe will have to pay. 50% of his remaining contract. Well, if he's a six year, $25 million contract, 50% of that's another $12 million on top of the 12. So or whatever, they're gonna have to pay Shaka smart. Well, and coach beard, I know you know this, but you know, 4 million in Lubbock will go a lot further than 5 million in Austin. Yep. And you can, you can drive around cause Try driving around in Lubbock. I mean, in Austin. around with money. It, well, in Austin this week with South by Southwest going, you can't do anything in that town. You have to practically go all the way to around Amarillo and then come back through down. Did you see that? I did. That map is a, here's, here's the best way to get from South Austin to North Austin. And it yeah. went like around the state. You had to go like you were saying. Yeah. Completely around out West Texas up to the Amarillo down through Oklahoma and back like Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even then right. you're on 35. That can't be any faster. No, 35 is the worst. And this is back when I lived in Dallas. And that was, I haven't lived in Dallas in like 10 years. I talk like I know I don't, I just, I just hear 35 is the worst. So I just, I just go with it. And it's always been the worst. Um, football, footy, footy, football, foot, the football. So spring practice is still going on. Um, the way too early um, depth chart had more holes in it than I, I originally thought it did. Like what? I was missing guys on there that were like no brainers, like Jet Duffy and the quarterback. Like there should have been. That was the there. only one that I was no, able to catch. And then there was a Dalion Ward was not on the running back. Oh, yeah. List. Um, yeah, I didn't catch that either. Obviously, uh, there were a few that I caught that weren't on lists I had seen elsewhere, like Eli Howard and stuff like that. But um, haven't heard any more firm news on on who's taking some of those like hybrid positions. Um, I, I can't remember who it was. It may have been one of the free articles from uh, Inside the Red Raiders where Jarrett Johnson was talking about. Uh, who might be taking those positions and Wells kind of skated the question or he told Jarrett, he needs to ask better questions. Oh, because like more detailed questions. Well, no, we could like, cause okay. So I, I'm, I'm trying to think about how, how this went. I think Johnson said something along the lines of in the post practice availability, Wells kind of opened it up to the, the, the reporters there and just basically said, anybody have any questions and nobody said anything for a second. And, and like Johnson just kind of threw out like, so how was practice? He's like, I'm not answering that. You have to ask better questions. <laughs> um, so then he tried to go more in depth to try to get some, some more details. But I think through this, this interview, this, this 
availability, he asked about some of these hybrid positions and he said he wasn't ready to give that information out yet. So no, no new news, no news on. Yeah. It seemed like we just got all sorts of stuff within the first three or four days of spring practice and then everything just kind of shut down. It's also spring break that too. So they may be on a little bit of a break there. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to see how the defensive depth charts work out, who, who ends up lining up where, um, getting closer to these spring games, scrimmages, practices, whatever. So Grayson's T-ball schedule was released yesterday. And if you wouldn't believe it, he has a game during every one of those open open practices. It's like they aimed for it. So like the one in Lubbock. Um, I think that's at sorry. one or. Yeah. So the, the one in afternoon. Lubbock and the one in Midland, there's a game, like here's a t-ball game during both looks like right in the middle of it. And then the one in, in Frisco, I think is on the 30th or whatever one is on the 30th. We will actually be at a wedding in Dallas. So like that one's out. There's also a game that we're going to miss, but well, that doesn't make me feel as bad because my wife and I scheduled a weekend away and I wasn't thinking she was just asking me one day and well, what about this weekend? What about that? And sure. Yours. That, that's fine. That's fine. And yeah, we scheduled it. Um, we're going to be out of town when the Lubbock scrimmage is going on. So we're not even going to be in town for the Lubbock one. Way to go. But if it's broadcast somewhere or whatever, maybe I can try to watch it. it. It's, prob- it's It's got to be on like Fox Sports Southwest, right? I would think so. Like it always is. Or at the very least, the, you know, the, the channel where they show the double T guys on Fox, like 34-2, <laughs> Fox 34-2 or where they have the weather a lot. It, I've, I know okay. it's been on yeah. that channel over the years, but I'm not sure what they're going to do. Maybe Texas Tech TV will carry it, which I doubt it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I may rely on. It looks like neither of us will be much help during these. That's so fortunate. Yeah, we may have to rely on some, some listeners and some followers to give us a little bit of an update of what they saw at these scrimmages. So you know what team is not on spring break? It's the baseball team. No, nah, they're, they're they're rolling, man. They have gone five and zero. Oh. Since their their Frisco weekend stumble, that's a good way to put it. They went out from Frisco to San Diego. They swept the little two game series there, um, big time. Top of the ninth grand slam from Cam Warren helped make that happen. I think they were down three at the time, or down one. They, they were down one, but they had two outs. Yeah, and, and then Cam Warren hit a grand slam to put them up. Um, won that game, then won the second game. Came home to a three-game series against Wich- Wichita State, the Shockers. Um, not much of a shocker. They don't have the depth that you do. Apparently, like, late into the game Saturday and Sunday, they were just, like, scrambling to find pitching. I think that I remember, the shockers hearing, were. I remember hearing some of that. And it was like the game slowed way down because they were going through so many pitching changes because – they didn't have anybody left. Um, I think Texas Tech scored 42 runs over this three-game series. Um, yeah, I can double-check on that because I, I had it pulled up a little bit. 
Let me see. Yeah, they won the first game 12 to 2. Second game 15 to 10. Third game 15 to 4. And, and that adds up to 42. So, yeah, you're right. 42 runs to 16. Not a bad little outing. I wanted to throw in a couple other things that I listened to uh, the Dinger Derby podcast by our good friend Keith Patrick. Follow him at Dinger underscore Derby on Twitter and at Keith B. Patrick. But he had a couple of couple of interesting notes from the San Diego series that I wanted to, to throw out there. One of them was that he's trying to get this started. So for Otrimba, he, he everybody's been trying to come up with a nickname for him. And Keith's come up with Bam Bam Otrimba. Pretty good. I, I, I can stay on board with that. It's got I, nice I alliteration. Know, I don't know what's wrong with, with Tater. Tater Otrimba's pretty good too. I, but Bam Bam Otrimba, I, I don't know. Bam Bam's just good for a... Uh, uh, a slugger. Uh, a couple other, uh, one other tidbit about Dylan Noisy, and this was after the San Diego series, so I haven't updated this, but Keith rattled off some really cool stats. So after the San Diego series, this is before the 42 run, you know, outing against Wichita State. Noisy was leading the Red Raiders in batting average, sledding, pr- slugging, <laughs> slugging whoa, percentage. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where's that dump button? He was he's leading the Red Raiders in batting average, slugging percentage, and on base percentage. And he has at that time he had six multi RBI games and he was tied for the most home runs with three. I think he's also no, never mind. I'll just say he's tied with somebody for triples, but I think that's the team. Well, and that was as of uh I don't know, Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember when those two games were played. So who knows what it is now with, with what he was able to do this weekend. His, his what specifically? Oh, if, if any of that I'm went up, up, if he, I, I can't, I'm not sure if he hit home runs or anything this weekend. I, I, I don't remember hit, off the top of my head. He, he hit one home run on Saturday. So he's up to four home runs on the season. Batting average is at a cool three ninety six. Jeez, You know, 15 games in it, whatever it's been so far. Um, 22 RBIs. Sorry, it's 14 games. Um, 14 RBIs. He's got 10 walks. Um, yeah, that helps his on-base percentage, I'd imagine. Yeah, and I, the, the official site does not have his on-base percentage. Um Defensive, he's still fielding 100% yet to have an error. Um, he's been involved in two double plays, which is kind of impressive as an outfielder if you're involved in any double plays in the outfielder. But it's either like a, a fly ball out and then a real quick throw back into the infield. Right. Um, they toss it to the second baseman or something. Because the guy uh, came too far. He's been involved in two double plays so far. Um, so Noisy's had a, a great... start to the season i would say start but like it's been like been getting better even um he's been coming on a lot lately who else marshock has been playing a little more and he's 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 getting more contact um i remember early on in the season he wasn't playing as much 
I think mainly because of his bat. Um, that's starting to change a little bit. He nearly had an inside the park home run. I, I, I remember listening to, I think it was Keith's most recent episode about that where or maybe it was, man, I'm getting everything mixed Saturday. up. I listened to a lot of things, but it could have been Jamie Lent talking about it. I'm sorry, whoever said it, but Tadlock even kind of admitted in the post game something about, yeah, I probably shouldn't have waved him through on that, but I just kind of wanted to see what would happen. Yeah. This, I, he said something. It was like, yeah, he said that or like, it was, it was very close to that. Like, I like to watch him run. Or something. Yeah, that may have been all it was. Anyways, so what happened? He hit it. He hit a fly ball, a fly ball into the right center field gap. Center fielder had been diving apparently a whole bunch to try to stop balls from getting past him or whatever. He missed this one. It, it got past him, got to the wall. Marshawk was flying around. Um, like, like you said, Talock sends him, but I think by the time he he rounds third, the second baseman had the ball. Uh, so the throw home beat him by a fair margin, but it was so far offline that like, even though the, the throw beat him by several steps, it took the catcher enough time to corral the ball and then t- he had to turn all the way around. Um, it was the play ended up being a lot closer than you would have originally thought. He sounds like it, but the, the way that the, the, the umpire was in the position he was supposed to be in. Um, and for those that care, it's called third base extended. Basically, it's the third base line. You just got, you just draw that line further back. Anyways, he was there. The problem with that was the play happened up the third base line. So the catcher was between the umpire and the tag. I see. Because what the umpire didn't see was that the catcher missed Marshawk. He didn't actually tag him. Marshawk slid into the catcher. And even on the replay, I don't think, I don't think even like even then the catcher tagged him at all. Um, he had this weird slide to home, um, and I think Keith made this point. At that point, you were up by ten runs, so right there wasn't much of a point like to even like go back and look at it. Yeah. And it was the except th- for Marshawk's stats. Was it the third game or the second? It was forgot. Saturday. Okay. It so was, it was the second game. It was 12 to two. So he had just cleared the bases or there was somebody on base with that hit. So you scored at least one or two runs and then Marshawk's coming around. That's incredible to be that fast. Yeah. So he's, he's credited with a triple and then thrown out trying to stretch the triple into a, a home run even though technically he was not out but he he would have normally been safe at third had he stopped but they just but tadlock sent him yeah <laughs> um which i love i it was one of the things that like i i was i wanted to see more was him be aggressive and send more runners just because plays of the plate are a lot more interesting and if you can force them there's not typically a whole lot of good plays of the plate like when somebody's like rushing a throw home, it's going to end up in, like under the backstop padding the wall somewhere. It's going to get stuck back there. The, the catcher's going to miss it. Um, so you have a, a good shot at, at forcing not an error, but like just a throw offline where you would, you, you get the run to score. 
Yeah, there's a lot of room for error in in that instance. We've got an outfielder that's just blindly throwing it as hard as he can. Yeah, because the right fielder, he threw it into second, second threw it home. And like I said, it was even though like the throw, like Marshak was rounding third when the second baseman had the ball, because of his speed, he rushed the throw and it was it was to the home dugout side, the first base side of the home plate. Caught the ball, had to turn all the way around to try to tag Marshak, and Marshak was called out. So, um, your offense is starting to heat up, which you're you're really starting to enjoy seeing that. Um, it's one of those things where I, I'm thinking I'm not sure if it was a it's, it's probably a combination of these things, but you started off this season with teams of greater talent than you would have otherwise scheduled with Oregon and Kentucky, that series in Frisco, that, that tournament in Frisco. Um, so some of these teams that aren't as deep or as talented as you are, you're starting to see the tech offense, the bats come alive. Your pitching is starting to settle down a little bit too. You've kind of found your rotation a little bit with Lanning going on Friday, and he's been getting better and better every start. Killian is slowly getting better, but still not where you think he would be. Your Sunday starter, Mason Montgomery, has been really good. Um, and then your midweek guys of Bryce Bonin, um, your bullpen guys, Micah Dallas, Clayton Beater, uh, again Saturday was to end the game throwing 98-mile-an-hour fastballs. It's just ridiculous. John McMillan, I think, is starting to get his control under – control a little bit so he's not he's not throwing like the 98 or 100 mile on fastballs anymore I think in an, in an effort to be more precise with his control um he started off the season a little shaky getting better um you don't have a midweek series this week you you did move one game from New Mexico to Tuesday night but then because of the weather forecast decided to move it back to its originally scheduled um, time back in April. Yeah, there's a back-to-back April 2nd and 3rd is what shows on the schedule right now. That's a Tuesday and Wednesday. And there's like a 23rd, 24th too as well, I think. Oh, are you – because, yeah, you're right. There, you're right. Are, there are two two-game series with, with New Mexico. Um, yes, those were in Albuquerque. I'm sorry. I wasn't yeah. even paying attention. Yeah, 23rd and 24th are here in Lubbock. And then this weekend, you travel to Austin. Um, which you can't watch. Yeah, which is strange because you'd think somebody with a school with their own network, you'd be able to watch a basketball, or not a basketball, a baseball game. At least one of them. But just something. I mean, I'd, Hulu doesn't carry Longhorn Network, so solidarity. I don't mind that. <laughs> but it, you just feel like that it should be available. Fox Sports Southwest, Southwest. Somebody should take them. These are... You know, two potential College World Series teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas started off this season really hot. They, they've lost – granted, it was on the road to Stanford. It was a top-five team. They've lost three of their last four. Or they lost three of their games at Stanford this past week, um, which, which is strange – not strange, but they just come off sweeping second-ranked LSU at home. Um but their trip to Stanford, it wasn't like they were close games. They were, they were pretty. Uh, okay, 
They got skunked in a couple of them, or, or I think right. nine and to nothing in one or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they were run-ruled or anything, and it's not like they were one-run games, but they were convincing games. Um, so you're not really sure what you got. I'm guessing Texas will get up for a home conference series against the team that's likely to be competing for a Big 12 championship. But we we shall see. The the weekend series next weekend is going to be really interesting, I think, or intriguing because you're hosting Michigan and Stetson, the Hatters. That makes so much sense. I, the Hatters, but uh, I mean, there. When I first saw that, this is how little I know about baseball. I, Stetson's apparently got a pretty good team, mm-hmm. and they've made some, uh, you know, they've made the postseason a few times recently. I. I didn't know anything about it. I just thought, well, who are these guys? But uh, they're going to be a good test for Texas Tech along with the Wolverines. Well, and, and they've they've gone off to a, a pretty slow start this year, though. So they are 7-9. and nine. Um, The top teams on their schedule they've lost to, they, they lost to Virginia Tech. They lost to Sam Houston State. They lost to Manhattan the Manhattan Jaspers um, lost to UCF, lost the series to Siena College. Okay, so they may not be quite as. They beat St. Louis three to two. They beat Georgetown five to four. They won one game against Sacred Heart eleven to five. Then turned around and lost to Sacred Heart eleven to four. Oh man, um, they lost two of three to Maryland. And they beat FIU. So maybe not as good as originally thought. But this is a team that has done really well recently. Um, They come in the same weekend you host Michigan. It's a weird like. So you host a three-game series with Michigan. I think it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Michigan plays a doubleheader on Saturday. They'll play you and they'll play Stetson. And then you have a two-game series with Stetson. I think it's Sunday, Monday. Um, so it's like a little mini tournament, but not, where you get a five-game weekend homestand between three teams, and the other two teams will play each other on your field once, too. Yeah. Really. It's an interesting format. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the the series this weekend. Wish we could be able to watch it against Texas, um, big deal just with these two teams that are going to be, be competing for a Big 12 championship down the road. Um, did hear that Josh Young has a quadricep strain or hamstring? Quadricep, it's, it's the front side. That's quad, um, yeah. It was, I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday. Those, those games run together for me. He was, round, he was coming home. Um, and he was he pulled up a little base, grimacing, is kind of holding the very top of his his leg right there at the hip. Um, didn't play one of the games, I think, out of precaution. It sounds like he should be fine, and this would only be be bothersome at like a full sprint. But I think because of where we are in the season, they're going to hold him out as long as they can to make sure he heals up. Um, yeah, no need to rush him back out there at this point, especially when you saw Parker Kelly come in. And he played really well, uh, both in the field and at the plate. So, 
baseball's humming right along. And let's do some questions. We, we, we've got some. We've got some questions. And by some, I mean, we have one. We have a question. A question. Yes. Well, no, there's two questions. Is there two? Oh. <laughs> yeah, there is two. One of them is from my friend Adam. The first question from Brian. Uh, TTU softball stan account, which I, I'm assuming that's, that's an autocorrect fan account. Um, maybe it's a play on auto. I don't know. Maybe. You may have to explain well, that to us, Brian. The uh, the Texas Tech softball team though is on a tear of their own. I think they're twenty four and one, and they today were ranked in the top ten of softball teams. They very quickly went from unranked to top ten on this just incredible tear to start the twenty nineteen season. And like maybe because I just I don't have a lot of exposure to softball. But they play like three, four, five games over a weekend, like in these little mini. They'll play double headers, um, so th- they're racking up all these games and all these wins really quickly too. I mean, they, they started. I think they started the season either right at, around the same time as the baseball team did, or like right afterwards. February eighth was their first uh, first game, and so a little before. The week before. Yeah. So Tech, the the baseball team has played 14 games since the 15th. Softball team has played 25 games since the 8th. They've played eight more games. Sorry, 10 more games over a week. Right. And they've had, uh, they've only had one cancellation, but they have, they were going to have a doubleheader this Wednesday against New Mexico State, but it was canceled as well. But that, so that doesn't count anyway. They haven't, they haven't played those. So it's not like they've had. You know, Tech's only had a few canceled, but it's a lot of games. I don't know how they cram that many in. And and up this this coming weekend, they have uh, the Tiger Classic in Memphis, where they'll play North Alabama, Murray State, Memphis, and Maine. And they play at crazy times too, because yeah, the, the, I think those games are like every two and a half hours apart. So they're they're short games to begin with. I think they're two hour games. But they will stack them up, like yeah. They'll play at ten a.m. on Sunday mornings. They'll play at nine a.m. on Sunday mornings. Uh, Eleven fifteen, and I, they'll go like nine, eleven thirty, and like two. They churn them out, man. They they get some they get some softball done. And as 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 many games as they're playing, they've only lost one. It was in the the fifth ranked team, Washington, at the time. Yep. So. Pretty impressive start to the season to Adrian Gregory and her softball team. Um, so, sorry, Brian's question. Yeah, I'm not sure if I fully understand this. Out of the entire Full House cast, did you think it would be Aunt Becky that got nailed by the feds first? Do you have any context for this? Because I have no idea what he's talking about. I do. There's this huge story uh, about wealthy parents and actresses and coaches among those charged in a massive college cheating admission scandal. And this is on the federal level. FBI is involved. Uh, And then there's a couple of high-profile people named in this. And Lori Laughlin, who played Aunt Becky on Full House, is one of them. And guess guess what she supposedly did? She paid... I didn't give you a chance to guess. Guess what? Guess what she did? 
She paid somebody for a test score. Well, it, it wasn't it wasn't that simple. It was um, she allegedly agreed to pay bribes totaling half a million dollars. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of money! In exchange for having her and her husband's two daughters designated as recruits to the USC crew team. What is that? I think those are the boats. Oh, the rowing, maybe. Yeah. What's great about that, let me, let me finish this whole sentence. I'm just going to read it again. <laughs> Giannulli, I think that's her husband's last name, fashion designer Massimo Giannulli. I, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that. Giannulli and Laughlin allegedly agreed to pay bribes totaling half a million in exchange for having their two daughters designated as recruits to the USC crew team, comma, even though they did not participate in crew. <laughs> there's this, there's this, uh, this organization and I, I've lost the name for it because there's so much information in this article. It's on CNN.com. I'm sure there's all other places that, that has it, but there was this organization that parents basically paid, uh, this guy, his name was, um, singer and he just flat out says, okay, so who are we? What we do is help the wealthiest families in the U.S. get their kids into school. <laughs> because those are the people that need help getting kids into school. Yeah. Well, I mean, what they would do is they would either teach them how to cheat on ACT scores, SAT scores. Uh, they would for exa- they would uh, take stock photos of a person playing a sport and put the face of a student onto that image via Photoshop. Um, Singer said that he was paid roughly $25 million total by parents all over the country to help their children get into schools. That's he, a lot of money, man. And he pled guilty on Tuesday to racketeering conspiracy, money laundering conspiracy, conspiracy to defraud the U.S., and obstruction of justice. I mean, it is it is nuts what what all is, is going on. And, I mean, can you imagine paying five hundred grand for your kids to go to USC as a quote unquote member of the crew team. Apparently it's $500,000. Apparently that's the going rate. I wonder what people, um, you know, what people would give to go to Texas tech on what team? I don't know. I don't know. It's just, let's just, uh, let's just start the auction now. <laughs> but I, I wanted to point out this other thing. Cause this is related to James Vanderbeek, my boy, <laughs> your boy, my boy, James Vanderbeek, uh, the cool thing about this, he retweeted this tweet. This whole thing, this sting, the FBI, everything that they were doing, that the it was called Operation Varsity Blues. Nice. And <laughs> so he retweeted this ABC tweet uh, saying, you know, FBI special agent says 300 FBI IRS agents participated in arrests and um, 30 individuals have been taken into custody. In the you know the operation was named Operation Varsity Blues. Anyway, my boy James Vanderbeek, also backup quarterback at West Canaan. Was it West Canaan High School in that movie? I can't oh, remember I what can't it was. Remember, it's been too long. And I can't I can't remember his name. Mox Johnny Moxon. <laughs> he he retweeted that saying, "If only there was a succinct turn of phrase these kids could have used to inform their parents they were not desirous." of their life path, <laughs> which is of course, I don't want your life. 
which is the name of my fantasy team. So That's it good. all comes full circle. Anyway, I thought that was a great tweet by by James James Vanderbeek, my guy. Vanderbeek. All right, real quickly, let's let's do a little update for going yard. Oh, okay. All right. As it's it it's raining. Like, it sounds like the thunderstorm is here. We're yeah. recording right as it's rolling. I'm showing Michael the map and it I could hear thunder even with my headphones on. We need to roll this pretty quickly so Mike can get home without having to swim home. Yeah. I'll be all um, right. going yard. So this weekend I spent about three and a half hours working and I loved it. I spent probably an hour raking out the tumbleweed debris from my front yard. It's such a West Texas problem. <laughs> it was, it really was. I, I, I tried like, so I, I don't have a leaf, right? Cause we don't have any trees like the real flimsy. Like I got one you can one. borrow. Well, if you ever want to borrow one, uh, I have the, like, the real heavy one. So yeah. that was sticking too much into the grass, like with the, the tines down. Um, so I tried to pick it up by hand and it was there. I quickly got overwhelmed by how much crap was in the yard. So I was like, no, I'm going to go back. So I used the back side of this rake, but the problem with, because the grass is so long, it was like, just, it was, um, like flicking the, the, the twigs and little pieces of tumbleweed I'm trying to pick up. Instead of it dragging it into a pile, it was shooting it just further kinda, forward. Yeah, just kind of sending it all over the place. So I, I basically just resorted back to being very careful about how I was actually using the big heavy rake. Um, picked all that up. I filled a five-gallon bucket of these twigs. Like I, I compressed them into the five-gallon. It's a full five gallons. My front yard combined may have like 700 square feet. It's There's not very much front yard out there. And it filled, like, this five-gallon bucket is like a, a bird's nest. It's so dense <laughs> of twigs and stuff. Um, anyways, after that, I mowed really quickly. So I got my first mow this season. And I, I did that after the basketball game. I was, I was hyped. I was like, I'm going to go enjoy a mow. So I did. I heard people mowing on Sunday, and, and, and it was a high in the 40s. Saturday afternoon was actually really, it was like, I think it was in the 60s. I know. I, I, just, I just couldn't get over it. That that's just too cold. Mm-hmm. Sun wasn't out. Mm. Anyway, sorry. So after that, because the grass was short, really the biggest thing about mowing was to get it all even because there were spots in the yard that are growing, some of the spots in the yard that aren't yet. Um, it just evened it out, so it looks real nice. It's probably the shortest I will mow it this season. It's like it's really short. I actually like it this short, but it's too short for the grass type. Um, and then I put down my my pre-emergent to stop any weeds from sprouting up later this spring or summer, the first round of my pre-emergent. So yard looks good. It's getting some nice, some rain on it. We had a half an inch over the past couple of days and getting some more tonight. Is this the first rain we've had or measurable rain since we had snow in December? It is. So three months basically, which is why I think it's just, it's taken so long for like my yard to come back out because there just hasn't been any water. It's just been brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, still too soon for the Bermuda lawns to be coming back. Hang in there. You're not too far off. Um, that's all I got for, for the yard segment. Just really excited that to be getting back out in the yard and working. I don't, I don't have anything for the yard section, but I did learn a few things. You learned something. We, we can, we can go to the, what we learned. Well, before we get there really yes. quickly, those that do have Bermuda, it may be still a little too soon to be putting down any kind of fertilizer, but you're not too far off. But the the first thing you should do this year 
is whenever you start to see any kind of green, so it's going to like with Bermuda, it's going to look like a green haze first when the new growth is coming in, pull out your mower. You have to do this like early on and mow it as low as it'll go. You have to scalp your yard. Oh, well, that does be, because when Bermuda is coming out of his dormancy, it's not like the blades that are there aren't coming back. It's new growth coming up. So everything that's dead on top is going to stay dead and brown, not dead, but dormant. I may have to do that this weekend then. So the new growth is coming in from the bottom. I don't want to do that. I don't want to mow in March. I'm not ready. And the other thing that you all will need to do, regardless of your fertilizer schedule, your watering schedule, is you need to mow regularly. No, I hate that. You don't want to take off more than a third of the blade, which means in the height of the growing season, especially with Bermuda when you keep it really short, may require you mowing two, maybe three times a week. No, that's ridiculous. No. Every couple of days. Don't listen to this guy. Depending on how short you like your Bermuda. And it needs to be short. You don't want it real tall and leggy. Nah, it's fine. Let it seat out. <laughs> That's the worst look. <laughs> a gra- uh, any any lawn that goes to seed, you're like, oh ah, my gosh, it's fine. Do. No, it's not. No, that's a, it's, it's going to grow better. Get more grass. And here's the thing: if your yard is is dropping own, its own seed, like one, it's not actually going to get down to the dirt and and actually grow any grass back. So you're not really getting any benefit out of it. You don't know. I do. You don't know my grass. Okay. What did you learn? I learned, I learned um, two things. Yeah, you did learn two things. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was going to have the notes. It's like, yep, you definitely learned, learned that one. Uh, the first thing is that upgrading five generations in the smartphone world is, uh, is quite the leap. I, uh, I went from a Galaxy S5 <laughs> that I've had since, uh, I don't know, uh, 2013. Anyway... I don't know how you had a phone that long. Me like neither. The same phone. The same phone. And I finally just got tired of it. It was still working, but I was having to charge it three times a day. Hashtag Samsung. Way to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah. A phone that would last that long. It was still working. It just was, the apps were getting slow and the, the last big AT&T update I did on it probably six to eight months ago, it was really slow after that because it probably just couldn't, it wasn't made to run that software. It was overloading it. So anyway, uh, it's really nice. I'm sitting here with my new S10. I got the S10e because it's the smaller one because I don't want I didn't want that huge brick in my pocket. So the S10e is probably about the same size as as most iPhone Pluses. Like it's it's probably between an iPhone and iPhone Plus size, whatever. Yeah, it's you have. it's very close to the same size as the S5 was, except it's thinner. And the screen is and the screen t- takes up more of the phone. Yeah, you get more screen, but the the width and the length of the phone is about the same. So it's definitely an upgrade, and it's also an upgrade because I, I took the phone off the charger this morning, and I'm at seventy two percent battery. <laughs> Which, if I'd have had my S five, it would have been on the charger here. I would yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen, seen you, me do I've that. Seen you like I'll come over and you'll plug your phone in. Yeah, and that's after charging it at work. And then charging it when I get home from work. Your phone just lives on the charger. Yeah, it just it was on the charger a lot. Yeah. So I, that's been nice. And then it has all these features I, I don't even know yet. But the other thing I learned just tonight was... This is a good one. <laughs> I now know what it costs to have a doctor remove a bead from your toddler's nose. I have yet to learn this. We 
uh, our little girl went over to my mom's house today and they had a great time, you know, just those little, I think they're called pony beads and they were, I don't have a girl. So, well, they were just, they were just putting them on a pipe cleaner, you know, it wasn't (laughs) a, it's a gender, gender neutral activity. Sure. Just dexterity and whatnot. And she's two. And so they were putting beads on these pipe cleaners and they were having fun. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, she picked up two and shoved them both in her nose. And mom said she was really trying to not freak out. And one of them dropped out, but then the other one she shoved like all the way in. And, you know, we tried several different methods to get it out. We tried the, uh, you know, your saline drops, you try, you go online and you're Googling stuff. And, and we tried where I held her down while my wife like covered her mouth and no, no, no. What'd she do? She covered her nostril that wasn't blocked and then like blew in her mouth, kind of like CPR to try to get it to come out that way. Didn't work. And we tried that a couple of times and finally we just, we got to go to urgent care and, we went, we went to the urgent care here in town. They got us in pretty quick. We were, we were gone from the house for an oh, hour. Beating the nose. We got you. Yeah. It, there was, it was nuts. And what was, what was great? Cause we thought, well, we're going to, we might get a deal because the, the nurse that checked us in set out up front, like, Hey, the doctor's already said, if he can't get it out, he's not going to charge you. <laughs> I'm like, now this is the kind of service. There you go. <laughs> like, oh, he can't fix the problem. He's just going to, well, sorry. I've, you know, I tried. I'll we'll send you along to the ER, but I can't. T- anyway, long story short, uh, we held her down. It was dramatic, but it had to be done. And so what did he do? He, he got the, have you seen a pair of needle nose pliers that curve? No. That like curve at but the But I can end? imagine what that would look okay, like. Okay. <laughs> so there's something like that, but then it has scissor handles on the on the end instead of needle nose pliers handles obviously because that'd be weird and he had he had a little probably tool. A bead remover tool probably that's, exactly that's what probably it is. what it the is the only thing it's used for and the bead was vertically seated pretty far back into my little girl's nostril it was so it was vertical so you know the hole was uh you know running transverse to your face so so anyway, so parallel to the ground, the yeah. holes were parallel. To the ground. No, <laughs> you couldn't really get. No, the the holes were not parallel to the ground. No, oh. they were transverse to whatever. So you get the he, he the only way he could really get it out was to try to like get behind it and kind of roll it out, and he did. I mean, he was he was successful and he got it. So all that to say, seventy seven dollars well spent. <laughs> Because we probably would have so maimed our child so they, trying to do this ourselves. Is that like a service they, they just charge for? Like we're going to... I don't know. 75 bucks I think tax. they charge... Because like... When it's you go like to a urgent, doctor's visit. When you go to urgent care, it should be like your, your, your urgent care copay, whatever that is with your insurance. Well, and we have one of those, you know, high deductible deals. So it wasn't... Oh, so you So it probably would have just been a copay. But it was, uh, it you know, it was probably just whatever you pay for a doctor visit. So that's mm-hmm. the going rate. You know, whatever you pay for a doctor visit basically is what it would take to get a, a bead plucked out of your daughter's nose by a professional to where <laughs> you don't feel like you're going to jam something into her brain. Yeah, I don't I don't have any experience in that. So I'm just going to I do now. I'm going to roll this out though. All right. 
for Michael. I'm Spencer. Thanks for joining us on the 23 Personal Podcast. Catch us next week as we recap the Big 12 Conference Tournament and get ready for Selection Sunday. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.